Hi, I'm Vanita, founder of Blink Brow Bar and the host of Thread Talks, where I chat to inspirational entrepreneurs from the Blink community about key challenges in their everyday lives, whether working with siblings, light bulb moments, or really just have downtime. And most of all, where do brows feature? I mean, everyone has a brow story. So join us on the sofa for a quick but insightful chat with these incredible experts. I'm very excited to have pinned down this guest today. She is on the brow sofa. She's got to be the busiest girl in London. If she's not presenting Country File, if she's not presenting the Queen's Jubilee in a sari, uh, if she is not writing a book, she's DJing. Oh, and I forgot about Women's Hour. Hello, Rani. It's so nice to be here. I'm so excited to have you. I've left East London to make it to Fabulous Notting Hill. And you've come to Blink Brow Bar. I know, it's gorgeous. You, say you, haven't never, you haven't been to this particular one, but you frequent Liberty. Your Brow Bar in Liberty is such a saving grace for me because it's so close to the BBC. It's set in that We icon. are there to serve you. Yeah. And my brows, <laughs> you, you've never failed my brows yet. I want to talk about your book, The Right Sort of Girl, because I really enjoyed it. Um, it's about your life growing up as a, as a Punjabi girl and woman in Yorkshire. And I resonated with so much, uh, so much of it because it's a lot of things that I have thought about, that I felt growing up, but never really expressed and wasn't brave enough to, and you were. So there was lots of really hilarious moments and actually some very moving and, and sad moments. But I, I know it's really hard to probably put this in, in a nutshell, but what do you think were the key challenges growing up? Oh, my goodness. I think for me, the key challenges were being a Punjabi woman growing up in Yorkshire in the 80s and 90s. I mean, yeah. that is that is it, right? I think, you know, we were, well, I certainly was, um, the first generation to be born both my, in this country. Both my parents were born in India, even though my dad was only four when he moved to Yorkshire. And like you, you know, we've had to navigate and create space in places where we just didn't exist. I had to explain, actually, before I got to the point of talking about how you break into industry as a South Asian woman is how you have to navigate your own upbringing and culture before you even step outside your front door. There are so many expectations and limitations and put on upon you by your own, if not your own family, your extended family or the extended culture. And some, and the conversations I've had, Vanita, from writing this book have been incredible with Asian women. Just been, you know, you just forget the, the, you know, the build-up, let's just get to the heart of what we're talking about. And someone said, it's like we've been carrying around this big secret and you've just said it and you've made it okay to just talk about it. And I've had some amazing conversations. But what I discover, what I say in the book is actually South Asian women are some of the most incredible women I know because we've never been allowed to fail. The expectations on us have been so epic and we've just had to deal with it yeah right? well I think it's made us more resilient hugely I um, mean it doesn't necessarily mean I mean along with that comes lots of complications yeah you know, we need to find space to be able to talk about it as well but yeah it has made us resilient. Well, I like the idea you know you talk about identity and it's really trying to discover identity and I think that a second generation Indian just because you don't fit into a British world well maybe a British world English world or the Indian world yeah uh, but there seems to be this blend in the middle that I think we're all discovering is okay. Yeah, completely okay and actually brilliant. Yes. And wearing a sari when you present Queen's Jubilee, we were just talking about this, was a real moment for me because I just thought, wow, you know, it felt very brave 
looked stunning and was welcomed, I think, and embraced. And personally moved along as well, because as we know, growing up in the 80s and 90s, I love, like, nothing makes me feel more feminine than wearing a sari. Mm. I love wearing Indian clothes. And also that connection to my heritage and watching my mum and our grandmothers adorn themselves in this exquisite luxury, yeah. all of that, and all those sort of memory and the emotion that is attached to that. And yet we were made to feel great shame in these clothes. You as a woman, you know, you've broken a lot of barriers. I mean, you, you, you write in your book how you were DJing at the age of 15. <laughs> Do you ever suffer from imposter syndrome? Yeah, and I don't know, I can't explain where that tenacity and resilience and drive comes from. I mean, you know, there's probably lots of factors. But I, I just, when growing up, I never felt different in my school and I guess by my family. I mean, of course, in certain situations, you knew you were different and it's there all the time. But it was actually only when I started working in TV that I realised, oh, Oh, okay, other people see me as something else. And yeah, I really felt I got the bit between my teeth. And I, it was when I was working at the Asian Network, which is an amazing place to be, mm. learnt my craft. If the BBC think I'm good at what I do, give me a break with everyone else. Don't just put me here in, in the ghetto yeah. and I'm, you know, I'm, let's get this right. That it's There's a place for the Asian Network and I really strongly believe it should exist and it has, but at the same time, there are, you know, we need to be visible elsewhere. And yeah, and I haven't stopped. I haven't stopped. You I really haven't stopped. And I do uh, watch you and I, you know, you're a ball of energy and I can sense that through your book. But imposter syndrome, first of all, absolutely everybody suffers with it. I don't think there's a person who doesn't. Mm. But at some point, like my biggest moment was actually, I'll be honest with you, I got the gig at Woman's Hour, you know. Which is incredible. It's huge. It's such a British institution, English institution. And you are, you, you are now a national treasure. And I think that is, you know... But I feel like it, it's a really important space for me to be in, but only if I can make it open doors for other voices that aren't necessarily heard. Otherwise, what's the point of me being there, right? I'm not just there for somebody to go, oh, look, we have our brown presenter. Yes. So I'm really trying to yeah. make sure that we get as many people from all walks of life mm. in that space that wouldn't maybe not have been looked at in the past. You have to just tell yourself, look, they've employed you for a reason. And you can do it. That's it, you know. Yes. And, yes. and and I think it's it's true. Once you've broken that barrier, yeah. it really does help people to come through. But you're right. With that comes a lot of hard work and a lot of constantly being the person to push and to drive and taking that all on. So yeah, you're right. Balance is really important. And I'm trying to find more of that space to relax. Funnily enough. Going to get my eyebrows done, just to bring about, yes. is that it's just sitting in a chair and just closing my eyes and letting somebody treat, it feels like a treat. Well, it, it, it should feel like a respite from, yeah. you know, we're there to serve busy women. It should be quick, efficient, but the fact that you feel relaxed in the chair is great because, yes. you know, we do try and achieve that. And the, the other thing I want to mention about your book, which, you know, the, the hilarious moments, a lot of it sort of revolved around beauty. And my favourite is bubbly auntie waxing <laughs> your bikini line, uh, because I, I can share a very similar moment with my aunt, uh, probably most painful moment of, of my life, where she claimed she was a beautician. Um, but I just wondered if you had any other uh, funny stories around eyebrows, because I think yeah. it's kind of part of our, yeah. our, you know, upbringing, isn't it? First of all, never trust an auntie who says she's doing a beauty therapy course to wax your bikini. It's like <laughs> page one error. And the other thing is, of course, I mean, you're in the worst pain. It was torture, but they sort of don't care. 
They're like, don't worry, you'll yeah. be fine. Da, da, da. You look beautiful. You look beautiful. I, oh my God, I can't walk. Like, what? what is this? pain excruciate me painful and also humiliating situation i'm in with this um eyebrows yeah oh my god my friend harpery growing up um had the most perfect perfect brows she had perfect brows and perfect nails right my nails don't grow i just don't have those strong lovely nails she had really thick perfect brows and she was she always looked after them mine were like slugs so like when i had my hair back i did look like my passport photo for when I'm 16 I look like a, t like a boy was that because you were plucking them because no I just left them I didn't touch them and then I let Harpery pluck them and she went in she Too went far. in that way and then my mum had to take me to the beauticians and said can you do anything about it and she just looked I just remember that moment she thinking all will be well because this beautician will be able to save my Azra name was and she just went oh no we can't do anything about it going in that way and we might be able to stick it and I just had to live with this like shortened eyebrow. Yeah. Moral of the story. Don't overpluck your brows. Don't, your don't brows. let your children overpluck their brows. But it's the nineties, what were we doing? My favourite brow story though was when I was watching Australia's next top model and the Aussies, it was the first day when the, all the models meet and then they get put into their fabulous house. Except the Aussie models all got absolutely smashed on the first night. And basically ended up shaving off one of the eyebrows of one of the girls. I mean, that's the Aussies for you. Oh, I know. Wild. Crazy. She's going to regret that. <laughs> regret that happening. No, they shaved it off. It's like your worst nightmare. Someone else shaving off your eyebrow, waking up to one eyebrow. Thanks so much. I know you're so busy, but thank you for coming and sharing, um, you know, thoughts about your book and beauty nuggets. And it's just lovely and lovely having you here. Oh, I've loved being here. Thank you.